everybody and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein and here we are on our first episode out on our own uh, again because <laughs> that's how it was before uh, and we are back uh, back to business. Uh, I wanted to put something out before Black Panther comes out this week which I am so excited for. I'm actually getting a little anxious for it as well. Just I've seen some of the reviews uh, certainly no spoilers. I've not been spoiled by anything other than what Disney has already spoiled uh, in some of their TV spots. Uh, but I think even that could just be a perception spoiler because uh, we really don't know what's going to happen in this movie. And it is a long movie. And we have seen a combined total of probably three minutes of 100 and whether that be 160 uh, minutes. Yeah, basically 161 minutes, I think, is how long this film is. So a lot of stuff. Uh, but wanted to talk about, first off, uh, some Black Panther comics that I read recently. Uh, and I want to kind of try and guess some things from the movie. So uh, I'll say spoiler in the sense that if I'm right, which is not very frequent, but it has been known to happen. Uh, want to call out that uh, daredevil catch of uh, them. I mean, even that, some of my guesses are very easy to call out. So I, I won't give myself too much credit. But um, I also want to talk about a couple of the movies and, and things that I've seen over the last uh, week or so. And, uh, you know, let you know if some of these things are worth checking out. We will have a full Black Panther episode, hopefully recording uh, this weekend with some very special guests and uh, very excited for that one. So when it comes to Black Panther comics, um, there's a lot out there that you can read. And I tried to read a bunch uh, especially some ones that I hadn't read before. So before the first Black Panther movie back in 2018, I had really dove into the uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates run from, uh, it was right around that time, actually. It might've been a little bit before. It might've been like 2014 or something like that. But his run was just incredible. I loved it. And I had read all the way up until his intergalactic Empire of Wakanda arc uh, which was like the basically the second half of his run. Uh, and I didn't read it, but um, from a while back, I don't remember if it was because of Black History Month or what, but Marvel had given out free copies of almost all their Black Panther comics on um, online. So like, you know, comiXology type stuff. And I had obviously taken advantage of it. I just hadn't read any of them. And so I was like, oh, well, perfect timing right now, especially with this movie. Uh, and this movie being just so mysterious, right? We, we, we don't know at all really what's going to be happening in this because they've chosen to, uh, to not recast T'Challa's character. So they're actually, I understand why they didn't recast T'Challa right away because, um, you know, it only been, I think it'd been like a year, it was a year and a half ago that he passed away, maybe two years ago, Chadwick's passing, um, which it's just tough. I mean, there's so much about it to break down. That's just so tough. Uh, and, and the other day I was talking with some people about kind of the difference between that <clears throat> and Marvel announcing that uh, Harrison Ford is actually going to be the uh, casting choice to recast Thunderbolt Ross after um, William Hurt passed away from cancer as well. Uh, and just so tragic and sad that we've lost two people now in the MCU from that. Uh, but it was just interesting to me. And I was trying to break it down in my head. Okay, well, they recast uh, him, but why are they not recasting T'Challa? He's a much bigger character than Thunderbolt Ross is. And they both passed away for um, the same reason, essentially. I think one of them was colon and one of them was prostate cancer. 
Um, and obviously one of the easy reasons, right, is that I think he, he's being recast for um, New World Order, which I think at this point comes out in 2024, uh, possibly 2025, I think. It might be end of 2024. I have to check my sheet. Uh, but they've got enough time, like enough time has passed. Uh, but the strange thing when you look at it from other angles is Thunderbolt Ross was actually in more movies than T'Challa was. Obviously, T'Challa headlined his own movie. Um, but just, you know, overall, I, I pray that they do recast him at some point because a world without T'Challa just seems very strange to me, especially in the grand scheme of things. And the way the movie appears to be moving is something happened and T'Challa is no longer around. And I don't know, it sounds like maybe he's dying in the MCU too, but how, how do you show that beyond a, um, you know, a fully clad Black Panther because you can't have Chadwick, you can't see his face and he dies doing something. And, you know, and that's a very interesting story and it's a very bold choice to make. And I, I find that fascinating of um, how, how does a world move on? How does a fictional world move on from the passing of a character when in the comics, these characters get recast, recast, they get brought back from being dead every day, right? This is a fictional world. And so to me, it doesn't make sense that you're putting the perils of the real world, the tragedy of the real world into our fiction, when part of the reason we're going to see these movies is to escape from that. Uh, but again, they clearly have some sort of plan. I know they're trying to honor Chadwick, but I just hope that they're careful uh, in not turning that honor into something that is preventing a lot of people from having a black superhero that they can root for, especially someone as prominent as T'Challa. Um, we essentially are just eliminating him from the playing field and we're never going to see him again. I don't buy that. If it's for this movie, I'm fine with it. Um, but in the future, you know, maybe Secret Wars comes around and that's what leads us into these comics. So um, I read Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda. It was a good read. It wasn't that wasn't one of my favorite Black Panther stories by a long shot. But there's a through line in this movie or in the story that I think they could translate to the movies if they wanted to, which is this idea that T'Challa wakes up in space and he kind of has forgotten who he is. And everyone he's <clears throat> he's in this empire of Wakanda. We find out that he's a slave now. And the whole story is how a slave rose to be uh, a warrior and that warrior rose to become a legend. I think they, they say that at the beginning of every single comic, um, but it's essentially about him kind of finding his way back home. But at the same time, realizing that there's this um, there's this society out there uh, called the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda that is kind of weird. It's, it gets kind of heady. But it's kind of ruled by some of the um, the gods like Bast, and they've chosen a avatar of Injadoku, who is uh, Eric Killmonger, but it's not Eric Killmonger. It's like a different person. And he's also part symbiote, which was actually kind of interesting. Uh, but at the same time, by, you know, like, you know, 10, maybe 13 issues into the series, T'Challa actually is able to communicate with Wakanda on Earth. And they're like, where have you been? Like, oh my God, like all this crazy stuff. And he comes back and then the, um, this, you know, evil in Jidoku comes and uh, basically they attack Wakanda. And so there's a huge giant battle. And it was actually really funny because I'm pretty sure this came out after Avengers Endgame. And yet the final battle was almost identical to Avengers Endgame, where literally Wakandan characters are coming through portals <laughs> to fight. And I was like, 
Huh, that's a kind of interesting, especially from Tanahisi, because he is a prolific writer, um, just amazing writer. And so um, I was like, that's fine. And so I don't know, I'm sure maybe he crafted it before Endgame came out. It's a logical conclusion for a lot of stories in superhero fare. But regardless, that could be a through line for the future. <clears throat> Again, maybe they don't address that in uh, this movie or maybe this movie is that's what happens at the very end of the movie is we find out that again maybe it's from a some other either they they do recap whatever it is we find a t'challa in space whether he's in the multiverse right and something happens in secret wars that brings him through but he's essentially this t'challa that is a slave and having to fight his way up to um freedom but also to saving his people and then something happens to where you know he gets some distress signal because of because of kang's stuff right because of the the timelines breaking and the multiverse getting fractured and these uh incursion points uh what if he like tries to contact wakanda and actually contacts our wakanda the mcu's wakanda and so we get a T'Challa from another multiverse or another universe who comes in and has this intergalactic empire of Wakanda storyline, which would make total sense. Right. And you're having, he's having to, be, that would just, to me would be so fascinating. I, I find that incredibly intriguing. I would love it if they did that. And I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, because again, you know, with the writer of the story, uh, you know, they, they pulled some things from his, from his original stuff, which is the a nation under our feet. And there's a lot of things in there about, um, you know, them, them being hidden from the world. Obviously, that's a, you know, a, a trait of Wakanda, but uh ta really digs into that in the story. And I, I got to tell you, if you guys haven't read any Black Panther comics, get that one at least, One Nation Under Our Feet. Um, it's Black Panther issues one through 12, basically. And that one's just awesome. Just this whole, the espionage, the taking down Wakanda from within, there's like sleeper cells, and we get some really great characters, like I believe his name is Changemeyer, and um, uh, is it Zetsu or Zetsi? Uh, there's a just a bunch of, and that's where we actually get. Uh, I don't, I can't, I'm, I'm not sure if it's before that, but we get the the, the Midnight Angels, which we see in the posters of this now. That Okoye is one of them, and Okoye and um, is it uh, Anika are both. They're they're kind of a, a couple in love if I'm remembering right from that storyline and they're both midnight angels and they end up helping T'Challa eventually, but they're kind of like the bad guys. So I don't know if they're going to pull every single, you know, thread from this, but at the same time, they're pulling a lot from his storylines. So maybe they saw that and said, Ooh, we could pull off, you know, we could do this Wakanda storyline down the line for like the third black Panther movie or something like that. I'm not sure. But then the other question becomes, and this is the other thing is, okay. So if, if T'Challa is not in this, who is going to be the Black Panther? Well, my my bet, first my first ever bet when it was first announced was Shuri. And I think this is something that, again, I don't think it's spoil. I mean, it's technically a spoiler if you're trying to avoid all of the uh, all of the trailers and the movie spots and all that. So feel free to skip ahead a little bit if you'd like. But um, they don't show Shuri as Black Panther, but they show a Black Panther with those vibro gauntlets that Shuri uses. And so to me, I still see that as them throwing us off the scent because I think everyone's going to naturally assume that Shuri is going to be the Black Panther, including myself. That's my guess. If you were to say you can only pick one person, who would it be? It would be her because 
And as we'll talk about in the comics, um, that same sort of thing happens. But my new bet after thinking about things is that a bunch of people become Black Panther. That's my that's my money bet. That's my uh, my hot take is I think we're going to get like an army of Black Panthers. <clears throat> Shuri's going to be a Black Panther. Okoye will be one. Uh, Mbaku will be one. Ramonda will be one. And Nakia will be one. So five. We'll have five Black Panthers. Uh, which would be really cool to see, uh, almost like an Iron Man suit type situation. But it, whether that's them all at once or just at various points in the movie, uh, it would be really interesting because I know they're all capable of doing so. Uh, but at the same time, from a, um, a society standpoint or from a governance standpoint, I could see them doing that to try and throw people off the scent of like, oh, if someone gets captured, that's not exactly who it is, right? Oh, we thought we were capturing Shuri, but we ended up capturing Nakia instead. Okay, fine. So maybe there's a piece of that in play. Um, and it's interesting because that's the other storyline that I read was Reginald Hudlin, who did, um, he did a really great run on Black Panther right after Secret Invasion. Um, T'Challa kind of disappeared and Shuri, or no, he didn't disappear. He got gravely injured by Dr. Doom to the point of basically being dead. And it's funny because in that story, Namor is also in it and he's not a bad guy, but they all think that he's a bad guy. And so they're trying to attack. And that's, that's the other part I'm excited for, for this movie is that uh, we get to see Atlantis and Namor though. In this one, it's not Atlantis. It's going to be, I don't remember if it's, uh, it's not Tenochtitlan. Tenoch though is the name of the guy who's playing Namor, um, but it's an, it's a Mayan city instead, which I am just, I'm over the moon about because you know, we try to stay as far away from Aquaman as possible, not because it's a bad movie, but just in terms of differentiating things, they, they did it so smart by just picking a different culture because it's believable. I mean, those ancient cultures have been around for thousands of years. So um, to see that, to see the possibility of like this, you know, people thinking Namor's a bad guy, <clears throat> but he ends up being a good guy, or maybe he's a little bit of both, obviously, because that's you know part of his personality. Uh, but in that story, Shuri becomes Black Panther, and she has to go through these trials, and uh, she's an awesome Black Panther. She does a really good job. Um, and so I just wanted to see it to see, you know, oh, is there anything maybe I could see happen in the movie? Uh, we'll see. I didn't want to think too deeply about it, because again, I'm not trying to solve this movie before it comes out, but those were the two pieces and kind of the connection points between some of these comics that I read um, recently. So again, my bet is we see multiple Black Panthers in this movie. Um, if not that, I'm obviously, you know, per the trailers, it sounds like maybe Shuri or whoever that is, maybe she's just added that stuff to the suit. And um, yeah, so again, kudos to everyone out there that I've been reading uh, reviews on. No one has spoiled a single thing. I'm doing great on it. So I'm ready to be surprised. I'm ready to cry. I know this movie is going to be really emotional um, and I'm going to do my best. And I encourage all of you too, who maybe are really eager to see T'Challa be recast, to see that character still live out his legacy um, longer than one movie. Or, you know, when, when you look at it with Infinity War and Endgame 2, it's like, how could you end his story right there? Drop that expectation because I don't know what we're going to be getting, but it's not what we want, right? It's, you know, it, maybe he, I, I don't even want to say maybe he does get recast. I'm going to go in there assuming he's not going to because I don't want to get disappointed. And I really don't want that to be a hang up for people that come out of the movie going, yeah, this movie was amazing, but they should have, they should have done it. They should have just recasted him. They made a choice. Marvel made a choice. Whether that choice was right or wrong, they made it. And we are dealing with that choice as an audience. 
And so you can choose to look at this movie as it is, as it stands, as a film alone, uh, or you can choose to take all of that baggage into it with you. And I would really advise on the former because I know, and I'm trying to think of what it was. It, might, it was either Thor, Love and Thunder or something where when I went in, I had a little bit of baggage on the movie and it made me enjoy the movie a little bit less. Um, and then I enjoyed it more the second time that I watched it. So that might've been Thor, but regardless, just try and drop all of your expectations for this movie. Maybe even go in with lower expectations because I have a good feeling that this movie is going to be amazing, that it's going to exceed those expectations. There's going to be some great action. I was just listening to the soundtrack today, uh, which is out on Apple music. I don't know where else I can't seem to find it on Spotify, but um, oh my goodness, talk about a, a 180. I was expecting it to be very similar to the first Black Panther soundtrack. Kendrick Lamar isn't even on this soundtrack. Not only that, though, there is a lot of, I would say, it's either Central or South American influences in this. Um, definitely, uh, I, a lot of songs are either in Spanish or they're in, um, there's some African languages that are in there as well. But I just loved it because immediately I was like, whoa, these are going to be songs that are going to be playing for like Namor and his squad of people, which they were good. I mean, I don't think there was a single song on there that I didn't like, uh, which is, is I'd say rare, but it's not rare for the Marvel soundtracks. Shang-Chi and Black Panther were just phenomenal. And this one's kind of in that same vein. So check out that soundtrack because it will get you pumped for this movie. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Like I said, I'm going to try to leave my expectations at the door come Thursday night, which is when I'll be seeing it and uh, try and see it again on Friday. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, we'll record um, this weekend with our, our thoughts and our feelings around all of that stuff. So um, there's that. The other piece is, um, like I said, there's a couple of movies and, and films that I've been watching recently. I just wanted to kind of share out on um, first one being, I saw the unbearable weight of massive talent on the plane ride. Uh, I was going to visit my family for a wedding and it was pretty good. It was, uh, I really liked it. I thought Nick Cage and, uh, Pedro Pascal were absolutely amazing. They did a phenomenal job. I was bummed. And this is a message to Southwest airlines. Um, why I get why you, you edit the movies and censor every single bad word in them because anyone can watch these movies on the flight. But why can't you give an option that, you know, you enter a, your birthday and uh, and you can turn it off because that part really took me out of the movie. Uh, but I loved it. I thought it was really fun. Uh, it was a, I'm, I'm bummed I didn't see it anytime sooner, uh, but that was really fun. Uh, when I was out there with my family, we watched this documentary that's on Hulu called The Donut King. If you haven't seen that, uh, it's a document documentary about Ted Noy's story uh, that is one of fate, love, survival, hard knocks, and redemption. It's about a guy who um, kind of fled Cambodia during a war over there and started up donut chains uh, in the U.S. It was fascinating. It was really cool to watch. Um, also, new Star Wars content, and I'm not talking about Andor, uh, is on Disney+. Plus. We've got Tales of the Jedi, six shorts that come out to be right around an hour of time, and it is absolutely worth it for you Star Wars fans out there. Three of them are about Ahsoka, and three of them are about Dooku, and all of them were great. They were phenomenal, honestly, especially I, I really loved the Dooku ones. Uh, the second piece... Uh, or the next piece, I guess you could say, is I watched Moonfall, the Roland Emmerich movie with Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson. And it was just about as B-movie as you could ask for. Uh, it was very fascinating. So 
it was not that good of a movie, but at the same time, it just had, it had a lot of heart in my eyes. Uh, there's, you know, the acting was okay, but the concept was just so cool of the moon and some of the secrets within the moon. And I, I won't say any more than that, uh, but it's available on HBO max. So I would say, check it out for yourself. Like I said, this movie is not going to be making the uh, rounds and the best ofs at the end of the year, but it was still fun if you're looking for something to watch. Uh, and then the last one was uh, Elvis. So Lisa and I actually watched Elvis over the weekend. That movie is long. Uh, and it was that was what was holding us back from watching it for a while. It's a long, long movie, but it was worth it. It was really good. Uh, it's very Boz Lerman. If you're a fan of his stuff, such as, you know, Moulin, Moulin Rouge, Australia, Great Gatsby. Uh, he does really good work, but he definitely has a style and you could feel it here. It made me, you know, I hated Tom Hanks as his, his character was terrible. Austin Butler killed it as Elvis. He did such a phenomenal job, um, but it was, it was a good one. Again, it kind of catalog, cataloged his life. I thought it did a good job of explaining some things I didn't even know of. Uh, and I'm a pretty big Elvis fan. My, my dad is a huge Elvis fan. Um, though I think he, he, and it's funny recently he had said, I told him, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, you should see this movie. You're a big Elvis fan. He was like, yeah, you know, and I, I like the movies. I, I was kind of raised on the movies and it was cool to see in this, how that came about because he was all about the singing and the dancing and the gyrating. Right. And that got people really upset. I think he, he was a big, a big push in the status quo, especially with race relations um, of kind of uh, not imitating, but kind of bringing a lot of black storytelling, black singing to the forefront, um, which is interesting because again, no one at that time really had wanted it. It was more of a um, kind of, uh, oh, like we're, we're listening to rhythm and blues in this nightclub sort of thing. But then Elvis kind of made it mainstream and the powers that be did not like that. They didn't like that, you know, somebody was influencing society from that lens, which is just so terrible and dumb. And you and they do a good job of showing how dumb it is in the movie. So um, it was just cool to see him break some of those barriers down and, and make people kind of more interested in black music, which uh, is really, I mean, they're they're the roots of a lot of music out there and, and uh, a lot of history and, and especially, you know, Elvis, because he grew up in that environment. Uh, but it was great. But then from there, you know, he people hated him so much that the the society, well, what do you call him? The uh, the powers that be uh, hated him so much that his his manager, Tom Hanks guy, Colonel uh, Parker, sent him to war uh, for two years to kind of beef up his image as being an all American guy, which is like a uh, UG. Uh, but then when he came back. Uh, he made a couple of uh, like music albums, but then he went and did movies. And so he was getting really frustrated that, you know, he was having to do, he wanted to do them, but it was like, I just want to make a record for myself. Like he was being told what to do a lot. And so uh, I just, it made you feel a little bad for him because he, he definitely had a heart and he had an idea of what he wanted. Um, and that, that manager of his was just, he was, and Boz Lerman does a good job of making him look like the devil because he basically was uh, kind of the devil to Elvis. So check that one out. That's also on HBO Max. Um, and I, I'd recommend it, especially if you're a fan of Elvis. I have heard some people say they didn't like the movie and I can't fault you for that. There's a lot going on in it. Um, there's a lot of moments where I was like, this is just a lot of information, a lot of stuff happening at once. But for the, for those moments where um, all I'll say is for two days, I, I, I was humming Elvis songs in my head and I was kind of humming them out loud. And, you know, that's kind of the power of the movie. But um, that's going to do it for us. The last thing I wanted to kind of share is just, you know, what, what to expect from the rest of this year. So now that we're going back to, to kind of the solo outing, you can expect a few things. So uh, we're still going to have guests. 
Uh, we'll have them on. Uh, it won't be every single episode, but we'll have them on when we can, especially if the topic uh, begs it. Um, as you guys know, for some of those certain ones, I love having people on to kind of break things down. Um, for the rest of this year, though, um, what we're going to be doing is uh, there's some movies that we'll be talking about. We've got some big movies coming up for sure, but I'm going to be taking this time to do a lot of planning as well for 2023. So um, you can expect a few things uh, beyond some possible movie episodes. I'm going to be trying out because I do it every year and I don't talk about it because it's not a part of your, your title. It's not a comic or a movie. Um, I listen to a lot of music. And I, every year I give a top, a list of my top, my brother and I do this. It's like a top 18 uh, albums and we, we uh, copy and paste the album covers. So it's like in this giant square box. It's like, I think the top four are really big. And then the ones below that are small and then smaller than that. So you basically pick out 18. Um, so I'm going to do that as a podcast. I'm going to go over my top music for 2022 because I, I have a list every year. But we'll also have our top movies podcast, our top TV for 2022. Uh, we've got an anniversary coming up or a couple where I'll be doing some of those abbreviated episodes. I know it seems like people are huge fans of the last one, which was Frankenstein. Um, the Mummies 90 year anniversary is in December, along with Valley of the Dolls at 60 years. Uh, so I've already got plans for next year for all of those anniversaries. We've got some exciting movies I won't reveal yet, though you can do an easy Google of what anniversaries there are. Um, there's some good ones, though. And we also have a ton of movies coming out next year. Like the movies are back basically next year. I've got a movie coming out that I want to see almost every single week. I think we've got like four missing weeks. From February, when Ant-Man comes out, February 17th, all the way into August, there is a movie every single week. I mean, I'll list these off, just, just a couple. Creed, Shazam, John Wick, Dungeons and Dragons, Renfield, Guardians 3, Fast X, Little Mermaid, Spider-Verse 2, Transformers, The Flash, Indiana Jones, Insidious, Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, The Marvels, The Meg 2, Haunted Mansion, The Nun 2. There's And that's I haven't even listed them all. So it's just crazy. There's going to be a lot of content next year, and we'll be bringing you live reviews, um, live as in recorded live, and then shared with you later after I've edited out my awkwardness. Uh, but we've got a lot coming. So a lot to be excited about for comics and cinema in 2023. And appreciate all of you who have been listening to us um, throughout this year, throughout all the changes that we've been going through. Uh, it's fun. It, it, it's been fun. I, and, uh, you know, I haven't gotten tired of it yet. Obviously, I'm not going to be podcasting forever, but you guys still have me for quite a while. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm just glad to be around and grateful for all of you who have either chimed in, shared your thoughts, been guests on the show, or um, just listened. So um, appreciate all of that. And that's where we'll wrap. So for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you at the movies.